Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a better better global society. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Thinking Ray Martin podcast. I am Nifemi Oguntui. On this episode, we're talking about the Twitter ban and its effect in Nigeria. Let's begin with a little background to the story. On the 2nd of June, I believe, 2021, President of Nigeria, Mohamed Buhari, made posts on Twitter that threatened retaliatory action against groups responsible for attacks on government structures uh, like military and police posts as well as their personnel in the southeastern part of the country. President Buhari's tweets evoked Nigerian civil war as a theme, including the statement, quote, those of us in the fields for 30 months who went through the war will treat them in the language they understand, end quote. After criticism of the posts, Twitter removed them as violations of what it calls its policy on abusive content. Well, I'll spare you the details. Long story cut short, Nigeria's joint countries like China, North Korea, Myanmar, Turkmenistan, and others that are currently blocked Twitter in their countries. The ban was announced on Friday, 4th June 2021, after government alleged that the microblogging site was being used to undermine, quote, Nigeria's corporate existence, end quote. And Twitter is allegedly doing this through the spreading of fake news and, of course, um, the likes, you know, news that cannot be verified and news that have violent consequences. Other countries that have formerly blocked Twitter include Egypt, Pakistan, Turkey, United Arab Emirates, and Uganda. Let me introduce my guests. Ms. Shultimunu of Pattis Junctions Live from London. Dr. Ama is Executive Director, Live Abundantly. Ladies, welcome on back. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. Thank you. Let me begin with Dr. Ama. There are an estimated 40 million Twitter users in Nigeria. And many are now using virtual private networks, what they call the VPN, to log onto the popular platform despite warnings that they could be arrested. What do you think makes this site uh, resonate with Nigerians, particularly the young ones? Um, Nifemi, thank you very much for that question. Um, you are correct that it's estimated that 40 million Nigerians use Twitter on a daily basis, whether it's to source news or to communicate, network, and also for business purposes. But the demographics show that the greater number of individuals on this site or utilizing this site are actually the youth. About 46%, it's estimated, 
of the 18 to 25 year olds are the users of Twitter. And let's be honest, of most of the social media platforms. Um, Microblogging, as you stated, is very popular, but it's also a way of communicating with others as well as um, sharing information or promoting their services or the products that they use. And we do know that businesses, many businesses also use Twitter and social media to connect with their customers and um, handle things like customer service complaints or be in direct communication with a, a global audience. So the effects, it is estimated that Nigeria is losing about 2 billion Naira a day, which is about $6 million and probably climbing because of the current exchange rate. But the concern here is a multitude of things from human rights and the ability to be able to get news and communicate with others, but also the ease of doing business can also be affected by these kind of um, actions. Indeed, Dr. Abba. I don't know if you're aware that Nigerians continue to tweet in defiance of government threats to arrest and prosecute anyone violating the ban it, it has imposed on Twitter. The fallout of this is that the VPN being used automatically takes this uh, post to the United States. So what we consider to be a local problem now has a global audience in the real sense of it. So they are using the virtual private networks to bypass the ban uh, after you know telecommunication companies here heeded to government's directive. What does this say about the desire for freedom of free speech and the role social media has come to play in this regard? Twitter is a very powerful tool, actually. And um, out of all the social media apps and tools, I think Twitter would come number one or two. Um, it allows users to express unfiltered, explicit opinions. This is called from um, USC Annenberg's site. Moreover, tweets do not undergo the same scrutiny or review that a traditional statement would, yet its effects can be just as widespread. So I go back to, without talking about politics, how short little messages can um, create, um, should I say damage, stocks falling and so on during Donald Trump's times uh, where a tweet could send uh, the stock market reeling. Um, at the same time that I say this, it's not just about tweets, it's all about social media and the ability to impart information in, in a few words. At the moment in the UK, actually, we have a young cricketer named Ollie Robinson. I don't want to name too many names, who is um, actually under investigation at the moment. He's a young 22-year-old promising cricketer who unfortunately has uh, he's been suspended from cricketing because of the tweets that have been unearthed um, from eight years ago, where these were racist tweets, um, sexist tweets, and all that. So um, every, I think... It, Talking about the importance of tweets and importance of social media, we, we, can't, we can only scratch the surface because if it is the case that tweets that were um, created years ago are being investigated eight years down the line and people are being persecuted, tweets must be very, very powerful. And I think this has been realized by the heads of countries and that's why they have taken um, the decisions they have, they have taken. You know, a similar case happened in Nigeria 
um, a minister under the current administration uh, was accused to have tweeted certain tweets that have been up uh, 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 in line with um, certain ideology in tandem with um, terrorist act. But you know, the reaction is a little bit different. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But Dr. Ahmed, normally Twitter is the main platform to break news of arrests and, you know, sometimes rally public support against security force action. It played a prominent role during the NSAS protest in Nigeria. Now there are fears that people could be detained without anyone knowing how genuine is this concern, given that other platforms are still very much active in Nigeria? It is very difficult, Nifemi, to know how this is going to pan out at the end of the day, because as you've clearly stated, the other platforms are still um, active. And there is the ability to go on one platform, put your post, and it will be seen on all the others, because they're all interconnected right now they, they've been able to put that together um it, it is important once again for us to understand the generation that's most affected by this is also the generation that was involved with nsars which is most unfortunately but they're also the generation which will in the future be the leaders of this country. So hopefully um, all of this is being taken into account um, because you have to recognize the rights of people to speak, the rights of people to call information that they can use and the rights of people to be able to conduct their business so that they can survive. I am most concerned about two things. One, the economic impact of banning um, Twitter, although you're right, the others are still functioning. Um, but the economic impact and also the to access news and communicate. Let's remember that throughout the coronavirus and still till now, People are going to Twitter to get the latest information about vaccines, about um, developments and all of those kinds of things in terms of care. Um, so the social media platforms really have played a role in keeping us globally connected throughout this pandemic, keeping us globally informed of things and allowing us to, to network. Um, in terms of um, the, the VPN, my concern is some of these VPNs, um, if you start looking even further and deeper into the users at the, um, at the age category or the group that we're, we're focusing on, the use, um, you will find that many of them may not even be able to afford a VPN, so they may be using a free VPN. And of course, it's the possibility of data breach exists. So um, there's so many facets to this question and hopefully um, there will be some resolution because it, it doesn't look good um, for the country when you're trying to bring in investors. And investors want to know that if they do come into Nigeria, particularly the digital techie investors, that they will be able to transact their business without um, impediment from from the government and um, the ranking of Nigeria in terms of the World Bank and ease of doing business is not very good. 131 out of 146 countries. 
we know the issues about doing business in Nigeria and I don't think that this is in favor of Nigeria. Well, Dr. Ama has brought in a very important angle to this conversation, the uh, possibility of data breach with um, the VPN bypass that is now popular in Nigeria. I also would like us to talk about um, how social media has been abused in time past. Recall that in previous episodes, we've talked about the need to uh, regulate, if not on a national level, but for families to take to become more responsible, especially with the news of abuse that have made headlines in time past. Recall that in 2019, the federal government of Nigeria made attempt to uh, regulate social media. At the floor of the National Assembly, there was a bill that called protections from internet falsehood and manipulations. And, um, you know, at that point, government had ordered internet services uh, to obtain licenses from the National Broadcasting Commission before operating in the country. Uh, that was shut down the criticism was loud on twitter but it does appear that this is what nigeria is re re reverting to uh mr shotimino talk to us about uh, what the standard practice is in ensuring that on one hand we've talked about the advantages of social networking information uh, a business platform for many provided employment for for the unemployed but is there also a need to regulate these platforms to minimize the abuse that has been reported on a daily basis? Well, on the one hand, we do want individuals to have uh, their freedoms respected, freedom of speech, freedom of opinion. And on the other hand, we do realize that people can get very offended. So in the case where um, a number of children have ended up uh, taking their lives because of what has been put out there on social media, they were totally wrong and false. Um, that is what I mean. On one hand, we need to give people the ability to um, express themselves, but on the other hand, we need to take into consideration the adverse effects of doing so unbridled, meaning that, you know, death could be the result of this. Um, extreme depression could be the result of this. Again, it could be war. It could be anything. And that is a fine, that's a balancing act. So, of course, they have, um, I think, a way internally that they scrutinize tweets themselves within Twitter and Facebook and all these other um, organizations. They have a way that, for example, and that's why the president of the US was um, uh, banned from certain social networks at that time. Because as we know, uh, these messages can provoke strong emotional reactions um, leading to possible adverse effects. I, it is a very difficult, um, it is very difficult to control what's, gets out there and it is very difficult to explain also to the youth that the internet never forgets and this is a phrase i use uh, with a lot of the younger children i work with i say to them the internet never forgets and this is what's playing out for example in the lives of ollie robinson or other people that have had to um, step back and think, gosh what was i doing when i wrote this tweet and when i put this message out when i was inciting people um, obviously, the argument could be, you know, that the person is too young to rationalize or was under the influence of alcohol or was enraged when that tweet went out there. But the Internet never forgets. And at the moment, whilst we're trying to be open for business in Nigeria, to move along uh, on the same pace technologically as other countries, 
we also don't want to be seen as a controlled state um, for many reasons, such as those um, explained by Dr. Amma. It's a fine balancing act. I think there needs to be a social education on, you know, um, how to use the internet, how to use Twitter properly. But I think the youth in our country also know the power of the internet and how they put the NSARS um, rally together, how they organize that so well. And I think the, the heads of state realize that this could happen again uh, to the power of 20 or 100 with the help of social media. With the benefits of foresight, Mr. Tomino, if Ole Robinson was a Nigerian, at, the, at this particular time in history, we would be grateful if Twitter was banned in this country. Uh, perhaps we wouldn't have had the privilege to yes. tweet all the sexist and racist tweets that he has now been suspended for. The, the reality is we've, we've seen lots of celebrities that are doing great things now, such as Snoop Dogg, you know, um, lots of, he's on lots of adverts on Netflix, on all sorts of um, adverts. If we were to look back at the wording of his album, his tracks in the, in the 80s and the 90s, we probably wouldn't allow him to, to be there doing the great things he's done. So where do we draw the line? Because we've all been young, we've all done things we shouldn't have done. Imagine if there was a camera um, <laughs> recording all these things, but the reality- or everything we've ever done. Or, or everything we've ever done. So where do we draw the line in terms of the internet never forgets? So um, that that's one side of the argument. The other side of the argument is that we really need to be careful what we put out there because I think the youth in Nigeria, they also need to realize that whatever they're tweeting is being seen by people. And I, I get a lot of comments actually, this is a slight digression from people saying, oh, Nigeria can't be that bad. You've got lots of artists and lots of music and lots of jokes. Nobody's suffering in Nigeria. They're always mm -hmm because that is what they see on Instagram. They're like, why, why, did, why does That's Nigeria right. need all this aid from abroad? Look at their clothes. They're so fashionable. They're always putting up all these um, Instagram posts and funny things. And they're actually projecting an image that is confusing for the Western world in many a case. Um, what I wanted to add to Ms. Chetumino's statement is um, a reminder that all of these social media platforms have terms of service. And when we're dealing with children, it is important for parents to play an essential role in explaining to their children that the consequences of violating those terms of service, along with the fact that Twitter never forgets that she used her phrase. I love that phrase. Social media never forgets. You find out that you applied for university or you applied for a job and they actually go onto social media to see what you've done what have you been saying what are you what kinds of photos are you posting so that is important in itself but i also want us to remember that we cannot control businesses there has to be that recognizing the terms of services that the social media platforms put out making sure that parents participate in that process of explaining to the children why it's important to abide by those terms of service and of course like Ms. Shotomenu stated recognizing that social media never forgets what you put out there because when you go for interviews when for jobs for university they can pull that information and see what your stand has been on certain certain subjects or what kind of information you're putting out there now in terms of businesses there has to be an ease of doing business yes 
there have to be guidelines and regulations, but those guidelines cannot restrict businesses from providing the services that people are paying them to, um, to make available. Um, and in terms of monitoring, we have to remember that these social media platforms are fairly young and they're using algorithms to determine if a sentence, a speech, whatever has been put out, a photo is appropriate or inappropriate. Some of the languaging that's used in different countries, it's going to take them a while to upgrade that sort of algorithm so that it can capture more of information that will be deemed offensive in other places. So there's a delicate balance, but overall, I think they're doing a fair job in terms of when it is brought to their attention that something is inappropriate, offensive, or deemed abusive of removing that information. And they have done it for the United States president and they've done it here and they will continue to monitor but they cannot police everybody. They cannot monitor everything. So we as citizens also need to bring things to their attention and be mindful of the information that we're sharing. You have been listening to Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society. There is a very minute fraction of the people who seem to have taken government side in Nigeria. And um, their position is such that social media platforms and the companies that operate them must, as a matter of fact, also take responsibility, particularly in parts of the country where security is very fragile and when where comments on social media can actually kickstart, you know, huge security challenges. You know, take take the southeastern part of Nigeria. Uh, as an example as we speak now the federal government says that twitter has reached out apparently a ban on the microblogging site means loss in revenue and we're talking about billions of dollars here if not more according to government both sites now say they are in discussions to probably resolve the dispute in what is a key market for twitter in africa you'll be amazed to know for instance that Twitter doesn't have an administrative office in Nigeria, you know, and we're going to talk about that, you know, if time permits, the fact that only a few months ago, it established uh, uh, its headquarters in Ghana that has um, less people on Twitter than Nigeria. But um, things are not likely to be the same as the government here in Nigeria is set to rule out certain conditions. My question to show to me is who ensures that social media platforms are used responsibly by citizens? Because um, this is a very, very, very delicate one. Uh, something has to be done, particularly when you look at the implication of the abuse of this platform on different strata of the community, I mean, of the society. Talk about security, what they call the national security, talk about the economic implication. Who takes the responsibility here? Government, the social media company, or the people themselves? Thank you, Nifami. I think it has to be a combination of the three um, with differing levels of pressure. I think, um, as, as Dr. Amos said, there are terms and conditions of using each platform. You can, repute, uh, you can report abuse. 
and depending on how um, many reports have been received yes they will take it seriously even i'm sure even in one case they they can so they have their terms and conditions the government also has its responsibility um, to keep the country secure so in the case of nigeria where um, the government is probably afraid of twitter inciting the instability of the country inciting more fractions or factions in the country yes they have a responsibility to acknowledge what's going on but not necessarily to shut down twitter also the individuals themselves have personal responsibility that they must take they must understand how powerful their tweets are they must understand that these are not fleeting issues these are deep seated issues and they must understand yes it's like being given a, a rifle or a gun and not realizing how powerful it is that's the image that comes to me so if you feel that it's a toy gun you feel that you're going to just um, play around with it and just make some people react but people don't just react um from from you know um their guts all the time they actually move and they do things so i think it's on all in, in you know, all parties need to take responsibility. And I think most especially the individuals will have this powerful tool um, at their fingertips. I agree that all stakeholders must be involved. All stakeholders from the, the individuals to the businesses, to the, in, to the government, all of that must come into play. But I also want us to remember at all points in time that technology has made our lives easier. And if not for technology, we will not even be interacting in the manner that we are right now. And so there are so many positive impacts of having social media and all the other applications that are available. Our work lives have changed. We have moved from going into offices to working virtually, remotely. We've got hybrids going on right now globally. So there's so many positives. And so we must be very careful with trying to police social media because that technology is what's allowing us to continue to thrive at a time when we're going through a global pandemic. And I know that there was a recent study done that showed that I believe 61 or 62% of people do not believe that Twitter should be restricted at versus 23% who want it to be regulated. The word is regulated, but how do you regulate a social media platform that is not based in your country? It's an international product. It's a global product. Do you tell them to come under certain guidelines? And here's my other thing. Why are there, why are the young people who are in the tech world not being supported to create their own product that is similar to Twitter in Nigeria? So that the, there are just so many facets of this and it's very um, fascinating. But my concern most of all is for the safety and security of everyone at all times the loss of revenue is very concerning. This is a country where people survive on less than $1 a day. So to be losing $6 million or more a, per day is very troubling. And the, the after effects of all of this is going to go on for quite some time. I'm just going to drop this here. So the censorship of Twitter is not unique to Nigeria. There's a long list of countries uh, including France, India, Israel, Pakistan, Russia. I know, you know, we hear Russia, you want to shoot your head. But South Korea, you know, Tanzania, Turkey, and Venezuela, quite a number of them, uh, particularly 
An example that comes to mind is what happened in France in way back 2013 when um, a lawsuit was filed by the Union of Jewish Students. Uh, uh, I believe that's a French advocacy group that was asking Twitter to give the identity of a particular user who had posted anti-Semitic posts. There was a there was there was a judgment by a French court, but you'll be amazed. I mean, amazed that um, even though Twitter was given some time to comply with that court order, uh, there were conversations around how a French court could sanction Twitter, um, given that it doesn't even have offices in France, and that's very troubling because um, we're talking about the economic gains. Fantastic, we're talking about. Um, a platform for information sharing, very fantastic, social networking and the web. But I think that we also have to bear in mind a situation where a social media platform or company becomes untouchable by the laws of the land in which it operates and does business. I mean, if we're going to be very elaborate and comprehensive in our constitution of this, I think that that is a red flag. And it's important that all stakeholders sit down to talk. For instance, Twitter is making millions, if not billions of dollars. I doubt if that company pays tax to Nigeria. And let me just bring this in. Um, Nigeria has been celebrated as one of the few African countries attracting investment into its tech ecosystem. Just recently, they launched the very first um, locally made phones in Nigeria and the rest. Uh, but recently, the country was shunned when Twitter chose neighboring Ghana for its first African headquarters. We talked about the 40 million Nigerians with a Twitter account. Um, you know, compare that to just about 32 million in Ghana. And Twitter's decision, they say, uh, was a statement where a statement of the organization describing Ghana as a champion for democracy, uh, a supporter of free speech and online freedom. You know, some would say that two months after um, what has happened in Nigeria is probably proving Twitter right. But Mr. Shotimino, do you agree that um, this ban will keep investors away? And, um, you know, global tech companies that want to have a presence in Africa are likely to look at a place like Ghana rather than a place like Nigeria? I think uh, I'm, I'm certain that um, what has happened with the Twitter ban is that it certainly sent the wrong message worldwide to everybody about uh, the controls um, the country is trying to have on its, uh, on its uh, citizens. So it's like a pack of cards. So if you ban Twitter, you're going to obviously go off and ban other things as well. I mean, you could end up being banning groups of 12 people from assembling together, you know, at the extreme end, you know. So I think it definitely, it, I know that it definitely sends um, a wrong message to all um, prospective investors and businesses and so on. Uh, but on the other hand, I realized that the, that there is a there is a need for the international body also to see this happening. So although this is a bad thing to happen, I think it's a it's a very important pivotal move to get the international body to actually see what is actually happening in Nigeria without getting into politics. It's a very important situation that should be dissected properly by those 
who are in the position to advise, I think. And when it comes to choosing between which country and which other country um, Twitter should uh, invest in and the taxes and all this, you know, people look for stability. Um, people look for stability. They look for a stable region. Um, they, they look for commitment. They look for seriousness. They, there's so many factors that they've obviously used to compare and make their decisions. Um, Nifemi, okay. I just want you to, I would yes. like you to clarify, I wish to clarify something. There's a difference between Twitter being banned and Twitter being, or Twitter being asked by governments to restrict certain accounts or certain groups. Um, so you, we need to really be careful with that because the issue in France and the issue in, there was another country that you mentioned, um, wasn't about Twitter being banned in the country, was about Twitter being restricted or Twitter helping the government to restrict certain accounts. That has occurred in quite a few countries. So there's a difference between asking Twitter to help you restrict accounts versus not allowing Twitter to operate in a country. Does that make sense? So we, we really have to make that clear. Yeah, so there were some countries that you mentioned that clearly have Twitter services, but they've been advised by Twitter to block certain groups or certain um, personnel who've put certain things out that could be insightful. So let's not put a black wash over Twitter. Not that I, I, I have any affiliation with Twitter. I think we just need to be very clear on restrictions and restrictions that the government asked Twitter to put in place versus a complete ban, excuse me, which is what has occurred here in Nigeria. And then to follow up on Ms. Shotomino's comment, um, I think these actions that have taken place in Nigeria um, will affect other companies being interested in doing business in Nigeria. It's not easy doing business in Nigeria. There are a lot of factors that drive many international, uh, multinational companies from coming into Nigeria. I mean, whether it's electricity cost or personnel or security, or just being able to complete the process of registration. Um, as I said earlier, I don't know that this is um, a green light for Nigeria for international, particularly digital and techie companies. Yes, I wanted to add something else. Um, in I, I hate to compare countries, as I said, but um, it is important to note that I think the electricity supply is better in Ghana than it is in Nigeria. And that's probably a factor also. And um, the reputation of the, the the internet fraud, you know, this Yahoo fraud thing is associated with Nigerians, unfortunately, the Yahoo boys, um, less than the Ghanaians. I'm sure there are internet fraudsters all over the world in every country. But unfortunately, we have been um, given this, this uh, uh, I don't know, Un unfortunate uh, name Yahoo boys, yes, our youths that are in, in, in that are involved in, in such fraud. So it could be based on any of those factors. And as Dr. Amma said, there are many, many other factors that could have led to this decision being made. I agree with you completely, uh, Dr. Amma. What I was referring to earlier was um, censorship of Twitter in those countries. And I understand what you meant by restrictions based on the government request. We're going to watch how things how how things unfold. There's no doubt businesses in Nigeria use digital media to reach their customers, expose their brands, and also communicate. And indeed, the huge revenue loss 
is a big concern to the business sector in Nigeria. We are told that talks are on between the federal government of Nigeria and Quita. Well, if this ban is going to be um, raised or if the government's position is going to be rescinded, we all have to brace up for what the new regulations would be. A big thank you, Dr. Amma and Ms. Shotimeno. Thank you for always sharing your thoughts and uh, making the conversation reach in um, our quest to having a better society. I am Nifabi Ogutoye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and welcome your comments, insights, and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness, and education. Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society.